Kleinick here, and you're listening to a student's thoughts and info on the topic of sundown towns, something that has been around for decades but rarely addressed or discussed. I'm going to be focusing this episode on the history, enforcement, perception, recent instances, and affected race relations that are an effect of this depth-filled topic. But before I get too carried away, let's dive into the beginning. Although predominantly African Americans, races such as Chinese Americans, Jews, Mexican Americans, Native Americans, and even Mormons were restricted from keeping residency in thousands of white communities across the U.S. beginning in the early 1860s and continuing to be a popularized issue until the late 1960s. Sundown towns, to this day, are rarely recognized or discussed in society, schooling, and history books. Sundown towns were actually more rare in southern states due to the fact that there was slavery. Northern states kept out African Americans in whatever way they could after the 13th Amendment was ratified. Although not always enforced by law, these limitations of occupancy were often enforced by hostile inhabitants of these neighborhoods and angry whites who had refused to live around other races. These towns became known as sundown towns. They began to hit around 1910, when many African Americans were escaping Southern racism and economic oppression. Sundown towns were a way for whites to discourage blacks from settling on what they saw as their land. Between 1890 and 1940, more than 200 towns and counties in Indiana became sundown towns. These were places that were deliberately all white. There were warnings issued to blacks that they were allowed to work or travel in a community during the daytime, but they must leave by sundown. Historians estimate there were up to 10,000 sundown towns in the United States between 1890 and 1960, mostly in the Midwest and West. topic that I'm going to get into is what were people saying about it at the time and what were the different perspectives. Black communities received unequal treatment in many different areas of their lives, even when it came to becoming an estate homeowner. Martin Luther King, who was a well-known activist, talked about the mistreatment of blacks versus whites when it came to housing and gating residency in certain neighborhoods. This is shown in the article Ohio Sundown Towns by Columbus Magic. He claims, we sent blacks in large numbers to the real estate offices, and every time blacks went in, the real estate agent says, oh, I'm sorry, we don't have anything listed. He then goes on to say how the white people were treated. We sent some of our fine white staff in, and the minute they got in, they said, oh yes, we have everything. Now, what exactly would you like? Many of the restrictions that the black communities were given were not only just their residency. They were prohibited from entering certain places after dark. Restaurants, hotels, different privately owned businesses often refused to give their business. In the article Sundown Towns by Black Past, 
It claims in 1930, 44 of the 89 counties along the farmed Route 66 from Chicago to Los Angeles featured no motels or restaurants and prohibited blacks from entering after dark. But how many of the sundown towns still remain? According to the article Racial Tension by AP News, it claims, it's rarely clear anymore. Openly racist laws are now largely illegal, and few towns want the infamy of being known for keeping out black people. Scholars often rely now on demographic data, looking carefully at towns that have tiny black populations. Lowen, the historian, says the number is clearly dropping, categorizing many as recovering sundown towns where organized resistance to black residents has ended, but the racial divide can remain wide. Vienna would almost certainly fall into that category, with 1,434 people, but only 16 of them being black. Aside from the physical sundown towns, how are the beliefs and racial stereotypes from these groups still very much alive today? In the 1890s, travel and immigration improved with transportation, which led other races to be able to move quicker and more efficiently. Ethocentric beliefs became more exposed and accessible to Americans through the cinema industry that would include racist stereotypes and stigmas into their films. The movie The Birth of a Nation by D.W. Griffith is considered to be one of the most racist movies along with Gone with the Wind, sending messages that non-citizenship is appropriate for African Americans. These few examples are just some of the many reasons many racial stereotypes and beliefs continue to allow for the fight for sundown towns. Many counties in 1890 that had black residents had zero by the 1930s. According to the podcast Sundown Towns by I Dig It, featuring Michaela Morello and Alyssa Loyalis, talk about the recent acts of racism, including Sundown Towns history. In Forsyth County, Georgia, 1,100 black people were driven from their home, and in 1987, 75 years later, citizens were still defending that action as hundreds of residents threw bottles and racial slurs at 75 NWACP marchers challenging the county's sundown status, calling it the home of the rednecks. Now How did it shape the movement or influence race relations? Sundown towns started with the racist beliefs and policies of deep-rooted stereotypes and racism from the Civil War. This stemmed into neighborhoods crowded with whites, leading to white people being surrounded by those that looked exactly like them. This led to unfamiliarity with races, cultures, and ethnicities, creating misinterpretations, stereotypes, and misunderstandings. Children grew up in neighborhoods with others that looked exactly like them viewing African Americans and other ethnicities as different or not the same. It began to be seen as a privilege to live in these communities, creating ideas that Blacks, Hispanics, and other oppressed groups were below or less than white people. This began to affect the education system, with people believing that whites were smarter and therefore deserved better education. Because whites were in higher class communities and making an average higher income, their taxes were higher, leading to a better education system and their children being in better schooling classes. 
This created a cycle of mistreatment for blacks who were stuck in the cycle of repeatedly being in lower class and lower income communities from the racist backlash in trying to immigrate with communities of whites. Years of systematic oppression and racism led to a huge separation economically and location-wise. Black people in general were given the stereotype that they were poor because they were stuck in lower-class communities that were not receiving the same care, attention, resources, income that these white communities were receiving. These stereotypes prevented them from being able to reside in sundown towns that would give them the opportunity to become more successful and improve their odds at a successful future. And that's all for today. Thank you for joining me and learning about the history behind sundown towns and how it still affects our society today. Hopefully you learned a little bit about the effects of regulations being set as long ago as the Civil War and the outcomes still ingrained in today's society.